you got to understand that the whole toxic masculinity thing that spawned from Me Too has been weaponized. And it's not about shaming or guilt tripping men and, and, and castrating them energetically. It's about reawakening the core principles that are going to build a healthy world, which is men in collaboration, positive sun games, building and profiting, but in a way that is holistically informed with earth and the environment and with the community at large. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Kevin Oros is a high-performance coach, workshop and retreat facilitator, and podcast host. He's also a performance philosopher, folk psychologist, spoken word poet, public speaker, yoga teacher, freestyle MC, and founder and CMO of lifestyle brand Mystic Misfit. Using his multidisciplinary approach, Kevin guides clients to break through all manner of limiting beliefs, outdated modalities, and constricting paradigms to uncover their unique story and live their soul's purpose. He focuses on where the mind, body, and soul meet, developing spiritual abilities by mastering the science of life through magical and radical mindset techniques. This episode is a beautiful exploration of what it means to lead a conscious life full of intention, purpose, and creativity in the modern world. Kevin Oros, welcome to Being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. Also, I'm proud to announce that the show is now available on YouTube. And you can also follow us on our new Instagram page, at Being with Patrick Cook. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Kevin Oros, welcome to Being. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Patrick. Honored to be here. Yeah, man, this is super exciting. So we actually met in person last year at Envision Festival briefly. Uh, There's a lot of people there, a lot of energy moving, so didn't have a chance to really drop in. Um, so I'm really excited to, to have this time with you today to, to really go deep on some topics and see what you've been up to and see what you've been creating in the world, man. Yeah, I was so honored to be at Envision. Like It felt like the last party on earth, right? Right, like, right before everything <laughs> closed down. We were just in the jungle with like all these legends having yeah. a celebration. Uh, unbelievable. It was so good. Uh, so I think a good place to start for people that may be n- not be familiar with your work, how would you describe like your mission in the world? What is your purpose in the world? Yeah, my mission as I understand it, and it's evolving, of course, as is everything, um, you know, is it, really as a speaker, mentor, and creator, an artist with the spoken word and with my um, facilitation, workshop, retreats, coaching, mentorship, mm. to help revive the archetypal masculine on the planet and also to help repair the imbalances between masculine and feminine between you know the earth and humanity and really pioneering new systems for governance finance art Mm. and you know culture like we we really are in a cultural upgrade so my role in that and my mission is to be a storyteller and mythologist and philosopher who's a lover Mm. of wisdom who can communicate those those uh those visions to humanity in such a way that they can be actualized yes oh my god i I resonate so deeply with that like a a cultural renaissance a cultural enlightenment is 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 what we're working towards yeah and it's beautiful that work uh i was reading your bio earlier and it said i love this phrase i just want to read it back is you can find kevin playing dangerously at the intersection of eastern wisdom modern psychology philosophy mysticism and neuroscience he helps men and women develop practices that connect them with deeper with their purpose and creativity. I, lo- I love that line. Uh, mm. it, why, why would you say it's important for people to connect deeply with their purpose and creativity now more than ever? Well, I mean, Osho said it, who's near and dear to my heart. I did a lot of training in like that lineage of bioenergetics and meditation. Um, the most dangerous rebellion against the status quo is creativity. 
Mm. which is kind of alluded to in that bio. That's an older bio. I I missed that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the most dangerous thing to the status quo in civilization, that's like machine-like and dead and just for profit and based Mm. on more is a human being who's connected their purpose and fully alive and fully Mm. aware of who they are and is living for and leaning into creating a more beautiful earth Mm. and, and, and becoming prosperous and more powerful along the way. gaining more influence, gaining more, you know, clarity around what is to be done, not just continuing these, these long chains of momentum and karma that we've created Mm, on the planet. Totally. Yeah. And I think, uh, COVID has really illuminated how deeply entrenched we were in old patterns generationally. And I think it's served as a great, you know, no no matter how much suffering and and carnage it's caused, it's, it's been a catalyst in many ways, in my opinion, to, you know, awaken people to really dive deeper into what is important to them, how we move forward individually and as a species. So, and creativity absolutely is a huge part of that. Actually, I've been re, um, you know, re-entering my creative phase. Like I'm a musician, so I've been, you know, creative my whole life, but sort of moved away from it because I was in the corporate sphere as as like I was writing jingles for advertising. Right. So I moved away from Mm. it and just that, just that space away from it made me realize how powerful and what a gift it is to have creativity as an outlet, as a, as a mo uh, a medium through which to transmute my essence and my purpose. But what, what would you say to some people who might be listening that say, you know, I don't feel creative. I'm not an artist. I don't play an instrument. Like what are ways that they could be creative and move into the world through that space? Yeah, you know, creativity is much broader than just music and art as, totally. as it's sold to us and commodified. Right. You know, creativity yeah. can express literally in any human activity. Mm. So there's a creative way to garden, to make your bed, to do the dishes. There's a creative way to speak. There's a creative way to move. And so it's less about, you know, the medium and it's more about the intentionality and in your will. Mm. So creativity to me is a perfect expression of human will or spirit. So you, you have to make it your own. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people will just ape other people or monkey see monkey do. And that's, that's fine. You know, imitation is a part of the process. Nothing wrong with it, but eventually you're going to have to manifest your uniqueness. So you have to find what it is that you actually love and you uniquely have, and then manifest it in the world. Mm. And that could look like, you know, how you do your hair. It could look like writing a song. It could look like starting a business. It could look like how you relate with someone emotionally, sexually, spiritually. I mean, there's, there's a lot of room for playing with that. Mm, Yes. And play, I think is one of the most important factors that has been, uh, sort of demonized within our society. If you're, you're either in the competitive strategic, uh, capitalist world, or you, or if you're playing, you're sort of being hedonistic or, you know, uh, being childish, you know, and I think that's Mm. a a fundamental thing that uh, mindset we have to shift. Um, what would you say are some commoning, common inhibiting factors of somebody who's trying to find, find their soul's purpose or endeavoring to find it? What are the things that hold people back from finding it? Yeah, I'd say the three biggest ones. And I was on a call with a, a brother um, speaking about this last night, um, a client. You know, the, the first one is just scarcity. So yeah. a lot of us were raised with scarcity on multiple levels. There's not enough food. There's not enough love. I need to make a strategy to get love or money. Mm. You know, there's not enough go, to go around. Yeah. So I need to like hoard, hoard, hoard. And hoarding energy will not let you be creative or find mm. your soul purpose or live in the Dharma because it's about giving and it's about opening to life, not closing down. Yeah. So scarcity is a deep one and it runs super deep in our family lineage. It runs deep in our civilization codex. I mean, right there from the beginning in Genesis and the Bible and Christian civilization, it's scarcity, right? Right. Don't do this. Here are the rules. Stay here. Yeah. You know, starvation, yeah. you know, being in the desert, you know, it, it's all scarcity. Yeah. It, it's, it's really wild when you go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And so we all get to unearth that in ourselves and transmute it. The other one is imposter syndrome. So a lot mm. of people feel like, well, I couldn't do that. And yet they give all this energy to celebrities and influencers and all mm. these people, politicians who, who are just like them, but they just have positioning status power because they showed up and were consistent. You know, say what you will about politics, celebrities and whoever, many of whom are, you know, I would judge to be 
at best case scenario, very negative and worst case scenario, like just completely toxic, but <laughs> some of them are, are doing good work, I think. And the only difference between me and that person is they just showed up consistently for years and honed the craft, whatever it is. And so imposter syndrome is that part of us that when we start to do the thing, whatever that is, yeah. whatever is meaningful to us, our, our dharma, our ikigai, what's important, the gift we have to give, what we're skilled at, what the world needs. Imposter syndrome comes online. Oh, I can't do this. Or like yeah. all these voices in the head, our parents, whatever. I say the third limiter is really, you know, it's discipline. So a lot of the American culture and capitalistic culture is all about the American dream. Like get rich quick. Like it'll happen mm. overnight. Like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, this energy. Mm. And while that does happen, there are black swan events. I mean, right now, cryptocurrency is an example. We're in a black <laughs> swan event bull market. That's amazing. And most success, especially if it's creative or meaningful, is a long succession of small actions and discipline yes. and consistency. Totally. So that's where people get lost is they, you know, they're like, all right, I'm going to become a musician. And they work on something for like 10 days, get discouraged and stop. And they're like, well, <laughs> why didn't it work? And it's like, well, you know, you can't stop. Yeah. You can't stop. Yes. Beautiful. And you brought up imposter syndrome and that's something that I've definitely experienced. I think most people have, but um, over my lifetime, and if I can be completely vulnerable, being around people as uh, tuned in and powerful as you, like when I, when I met you and a lot of the other people in the camp at Humans I Trust at Envision, you know, you have such a, a grounded powerful presence to you, you know, and I'm, I was new to the sort of entrepreneurial space and just feeling your presence. And I, I uh, had the privilege of listening to you speak with Luke Cohen uh, at one of the presentations and just listening to both of you guys speak. I was just like, holy shit, these guys are so tuned in, so knowledgeable, just imparting this beautiful wisdom, absent of ego. I was definitely feeling imposter syndrome at that moment. So just, uh, it, and it's something that I think we all deal with from, from uh, time to time. So uh, just witnessing it, and this has been my process, and witnessing, allowing it to be there, and then sort of investigating with curiosity on where it comes from is a great way to move past it. And that's definitely what I've done. So thank you for being a good mirror for me, brother. <laughs> yeah, I've received that, that, those words, and I appreciate you. And yeah. you know, you'll be relieved to hear I have imposter syndrome often. There you go. Like it right? doesn't go away. It just yeah. changes scale. Exactly. And I think it's a function of growth and evolution. You know, it is. It, it, exactly. it's, uh, the more you move past your comfort zone, you move into the unknown and you, you feel uncomfortable and that comes with imposter syndrome. So it, to me, it's a, it's an indicator that you're moving in the right direction. You're evolving, you're growing you're, and having the courage to go into those zones. So uh, again, if anybody's listening, who does feel imposter syndrome with whatever, whatever you're doing, just realize it's part of the natural evolution of growth and something that you can work with and not something to, uh, you know, halt you in your tracks, which it does for many people. Um, 100%. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, masculinity and I know this is, this is what you were talking about actually with Luke at Envision is the archetypes of masculine energy. Uh, I would love to break that down if you wouldn't mind sort of unpack it for people who might not be familiar with what those are and what that means. Yeah, I mean, this is this has been near and dear to my heart, and it's been how I structure a lot of my online courses and mentorship. And you know, the seminal book that most I would recommend to start with is King Warrior, Magician Lover. Okay. Uh, Douglas Gillette, Robert Moore are the authors. It's an incredible okay. book that will give you the starting pack for this. A lot of people think that like they invented them; they didn't. This is <laughs> this is old old stuff. The archetypes are basically psychic dominance, or that's how Jung described them. Um, or energy patterns in DNA. It's not, it's beyond humanity. Mm. Now humans manifest them in a particular way. You can see all the gods and goddesses of pantheistic religion as archetypes, right. psychic, energetic dominance, right? Um, but in, in the masculine being and in the feminine being, there's, there's four major poles. And a lot of this comes from Carl Jung. Um, some of it comes from Joseph Campbell and they were studying, you know, Aboriginal and indigenous people and their mythologies all over the planet. So again, right. This isn't something that a couple guys in Europe, you know, made up, um, <laughs> which that always comes up. It's so interesting. It's just people, you know, people don't understand history, which is yeah. part of the culturation. Totally. Um, but there's basically four poles, you know, and this, this maps onto the four elements, four directions, you know, there's a, there's an energy pattern in our being of the characteristics that manifest in certain situations and in certain life eras so there's these epochs in our lives as men right and 
these these archetypes are the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. And so you can think about them as part of a whole. So it's not like you're one or the other. It's that you're right. all of them. It's just they manifest at different times. So for many men, the warrior and sometimes the lover will come online first. And you can mm-hmm. obviously see this with like sports culture, um, dating culture, corporate culture, where you know the warrior is all about action, discipline, like setting boundaries, being very direct and moving forward, right? Which right. is a very powerful energy. Um, some men make the lover come on online first, which a lover is all about enjoying life, relationship, enjoying food, sex, music, art, like, you know, being expressive and, and being very um, connected to life. It's like that, that poetic, artistic, loving energy in the masculine heart. Right. The magician is, is a lot to do with, you know, the scientist, the, the thinker, the engineer, the mystic who's, who's going into those altered states of consciousness and the trance and, and becoming highly creative, accessing healing knowledge, uh, magicians also become good elders because later magicians are the ones that, you know, initiate the king. Mm-hmm. And the king obviously is the sovereign, right? So this is the leader, the command, and the masculine. Usually the last one to come online when a man is well into his 40s or 50s. And, you know, the kingdom can be a family, a company, a neighborhood, a village. Mm-hmm. And it's all about sovereignty, empowered speech, and leadership. Now, the Arthurian myth is a perfect example, which, you know, is from thousands of years ago, right. the British Isles. It perfectly embodies the four archetypes. We have King Arthur, obviously. We have Merlin, his advisor and the magician. We have Lancelot, the ultimate warrior. And we have Guinevere, the ultimate lover, right? Mm-hmm. And so those archetypes are present in men and women. Right. And I've specialized and really studied how they manifest in men or the masculine. But basically, why, why should you care? Why does this matter? Well, these, these archetypes, these energies, you know, these are emotional, physical, spiritual, mental energies. They're, they're there whether you think they are or not. Mm. So studying them is basically like understanding the map and learning how to navigate the territory. Right. And it creates so much ease and leverage in business, in mind and body training, and in your relationships and sexuality. And that's been my experience and my experience with clients. Um, some people, you know, would argue that these are relics of the past and we can redefine masculinity however we want. There's this postmodernist idea that's really prevalent in the mainstream culture. And I think at best, that's very ignorant and it's kind of mm-hmm. like leaving out some of the wisdom and at worst, it's like actually designed to dismantle and destroy some of these very archaic and potent energies. Mm. Not to say we need to go back to wearing loincloths and hunting <laughs> bison, but we do need to bring these energies forward into the modern expression of masculinity. Right. So it, it, just to help me understand, because I'm sort of not as familiar with this, um, these archetypes as, as many people aren't, um, are they all present in everybody to certain degrees? Do they, can one exist simultaneously with the other? And does one uh, sort of develop as the dominant archetype in certain people? hundred percent. I mean, all of the above. So right. they all exist. They all manifest differently. Some people, you know, it's like a tool belt. Right. Um, some people, if they're not aware of it and like their warrior, for example, is the hammer, you know, they take the hammer to every task. Right. Know? And so if there's a nail there, the hammer's great. Yeah. But if you're, if your wife is having an emotional breakdown and needs your support, <laughs> the hammer may not be the best tool in that moment. Right. So the idea is to sort of develop them equally and have a balance where you can integrate whichever one is useful in any situation. That's the ideal. Yes. Right. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. No, and I think it's beautiful. Um, just the, the balance between them, just recognizing where they show up in my own life and sovereignty, as you mentioned, is definitely the one that's come on line last for me being well into my forties, as you mentioned. Um, but wow, it's so powerful when I feel that sense of sovereignty, you know, all the other ones make sense within relation to it, you know? So, uh, amazing. So, I just want to go a little bit deeper into the masculine and how it's showing up in our world today. Because for me, a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the world um, writ large are based in sort of egoic, toxic masculinity, where it's competitive, rivalrous games, uh, profit at all costs, um, you know, externalizing harm, you know, to the environment, to others, to, you know, uh, advance an agenda or whatever it is going to suit my needs or the needs of my tribe. And so, um, coming back to a sense of what 
positive embodied empowered masculinity looks like to be archetypes to sort of raise the consciousness of the planet to um sort of uh transmute or combat the the toxic masculinity um i think that's where we need to be focused would you agree with that 100 percent, and it's yeah. and it's a it's a recontextualization because we don't right. want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. we want to keep the parts of the masculine you know, that worked in the rivalrous games, right. Direction, strategy, tactics, discipline, right. You know, the beautiful masculine mind and what it's done for us with science and technology, it's built the world in a lot mm. of ways. Yeah. Certainly the, the, the feminine heart has helped and, and they're, they're synergistic. Now the harm and the abuse of men versus men, men versus women, men versus children, men versus the environment. Right. I mean, this is all coming from trauma because hurt right. people hurt people. So you got to understand that the whole toxic masculinity thing that spawned from me too has been weaponized. Right. And it's not about shaming or guilt tripping men and, and, and castrating them energetically or sometimes physically. It's yeah. about reawakening the core principles that are going to build a healthy world, which is men in collaboration, positive sun games, building and profiting, but in a way that is, holistically informed with earth mm. and the environment and with the community at large. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. So what are some of the ways that if somebody's listening and they're just discovering this for the first time that they could explore their masculinity, they could explore some of these archetypes? I mean, the first step is if you don't have a group of men that you trust that you meet with regularly, it's a great place to start, you know, mm. and it's not, it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to fly across the world to one of these men's retreats or men's groups. Um, although I would recommend it if you feel <laughs> called, um, just find a small group of men in your village and your community that you trust and just meet mm. people are like, well, I don't know how to run a men's circle or what's a men's circle. Very yeah. simple. Set a time, set a date, gather together, do some kind of breath or embodiment practice, yeah. do a check-in have a deep vulnerable conversation, do a checkout, create consistency, watch what happens. Mm. It's that simple. It is. That's a huge step. Your girlfriend, mm. your wife is not your therapist. Yeah. Your female friends and colleagues, they're not your therapist. They're not your, so I mean, they are your support group, but I'm speaking specifically to how do we, you know, men, there's certain things that men have to do with men. Yeah. It's not about, you know, and this is attacked too by the cancel culture and, you know, the mainstream culture is so far from, in my opinion, a grounded awareness of what creates healthy human beings Yeah, that totally. you can almost just do the exact opposite thing of what you're reading on the news because they're so far <laughs> from the mark. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, what just came up for me there, then we were, you're talking about men's circles is there's, um, this idea of being vulnerable as a man, I think is an inhibitor. It's a barrier because we've been taught, we've been programmed to view vulnerability as a weakness, to show emotion as a weakness. And so uh, as a strategic advantage, we've been taught to cut off from our emotions. You know, the, the man who's cut off from his emotions is less vulnerable. And so it's kind of counterintuitive if you haven't done any deep work to, to walk into a room and expose yourself to other men, even if you do trust them. That's why, you know, most of my life I gathered in groups, we'd watch sports and just like rah, 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 and drink beers and shit. That was our way of men being with men, but it was kind of proliferating the the toxic not the toxic but the um unembodied masculine right and so yeah. so when you talk about it's simple yes the the parameters of it's simple but walking into a room if you're not uh used to being vulnerable in any situation let alone with other men it can be very challenging and i witnessed that myself you know that was my experience when i first started going to men's groups um but having said that fuck is it powerful and to be yeah. seen and to be uh, to be able to express yourself vulnerably and to be heard by other men and to have them reflect back to you and then to listen to them share about their you know there's so much power and community and building that positive masculinity in those containers right 100 percent, and you know it, you have to create context and safety and consistency exactly to get to that point so that's yeah. why you know the first step is to start yeah, totally. Yeah. And having a, a male mentor or elder helps a lot too. Right. Having an older man or a more experienced man in your field who you can trust and then lean into mm. is going to accelerate this process also. And this is where, you know, we've strayed like for hundreds of thousands of years, we were tribal 
you know, at the root, we existed in bands of, you know, 150 or less. So there was always that sort of tribe. The men would go out and hunt and you'd have the tribal elders and you'd have that sense of community built in. Now, you know, in the modern societies, we're out of our evolutionary element. This is not how we used to live, you know? So we don't have those, that, that village community of, um, you know, of a place where you can afford to be vulnerable and have the rituals of becoming a man and what that means, you know, and how you can connect with nature, how you relate to the feminine, all those things are lost in modern culture. So, and, you know, creating those in, in, within the culture by creating small tribes of men that you trust is a way back to uh, rediscovering that power. So anybody's listening who hasn't gone to a men's group, highly recommend it. Uh, I was facilitating one for a while. I think I might have to start it again. This is inspiring me. So thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Great idea. We are in extraordinary times and facing unprecedented challenges. Never in history have we been so connected yet so divided at the same time. Now more than ever, there is a fundamental need and desire for us to come together in community and collaboration, to experience real and authentic connection with our fellow human beings, to be part of a tribe of people who are doing the challenging work of making sense of the world and their place in it, to have a safe space to be vulnerable and get the support we so desperately seek as we navigate the complexity of modern life. This is why I have created the Being Community, an exclusive online community for people who are doing the work of personal development, of awakening, of healing, of peeling back the layers of conditioning and unconscious programming and unleashing their full creative expression. This is for the people who have the courage to say yes to life and to becoming the best version of themselves for their own benefit and for the benefit of all. This private group offers all the functionality and benefits of a traditional Facebook group, but will be hosted away from social media and free from the watchful eyes of big tech. The group will feature live coaching calls, exclusive content and trainings, plus personalized guided meditations. At its essence, the Being community is about coming together to co-create the future that we all want to live in. If this resonates with you, go to being-community.com for more information and to reserve your spot. That's being-community.com. Now, back to the show. Another thing that you uh, work with... uh quite a bit is flow state. So I want to talk to you about that. And if you could just describe what, you know, somebody listening doesn't know, what is flow state? How do you get into it? And what triggers you in and out of it? Yeah. Flow state is essentially the zone, right? When I'm in the zone or like, right. you know, there's always words for it often used in sports language, but this is for anyone, you know, the, the coder, the marketer, the speaker, you know, even in, on a yeah. date, you can get into the zone, the flow state. And the flow right. state is basically where you're at peak, efficiency and proficiency so you're skillfully doing whatever you're doing but the least effort it's like the Tao. like you're not mm. using effort um your sense of self is out of the way so a lot of people experience transpersonal connection with the universe with nature with themselves in a flow state right and there's like a, a well of creativity and performance that is you know you're pushing all the parameters and so this can be physically mentally emotionally spiritually this can be in a trance state or an altered state Mm. And it's incredibly important to understand how you personally get into a flow state, right? And mm. that's, that's where this journey started for me was, was geeking out and getting into high performance and nootropics and nutrition and training and yeah. plant medicine and martial arts, yoga, breath work, all these, these activities that are state modulators and, and create altered states or windows of trance and, and, um, not non-ordinary states of consciousness mm. and then entering a flow state. So, which is going to make you more productive, more creative, um, you know, more sociable, more confident, more healthy physically also. Yeah. So that's really what was behind my first online course, flow state mastery, which is like my six kind of steps or modules to first off discovering your flow triggers through experimentation. And then right building a routine in your day where you reliably can get into a flow triggered state every day. Right. So what are the, some of the parameters or the indicators that, that people could look for to know that they're in a flow state? 
Well, you, you won't have a sense of self. So time will fly. Right? Right. Time dilation is when like time and, and like your sense of like your thoughts and being super in your thoughts will disappear. Um, you'll find yourself deeply engaged in what you're doing. So immersion, you'll be very present mm. and you'll be enjoying it. So there's a sense of joy or ecstasis where you go beyond yourself and feel deep joy, meaningful joy. Mm. You'll also just be better at what you're doing. So you're going to be able to do what you're doing faster, more creatively, in less time, with more panache, with more mm. creativity. Um, you'll also find usually that you'll have insights or intuitive leaps, quantum mm. leaps. So you may have been stuck on a problem or in a, a loop of whatever, and you'll break it. You'll, you'll pop into a new awareness, a new understanding, new perspective. Mm. Um, those are all pretty solid markers of flow state. There's many more but it's yeah. different for everyone, of course. Yeah, right. And it seems to me that there's like a transcendence of identity, a transcendence of ego, where you're no longer identified with you know whatever you're attached to as your identity in the world. It's sort of all that sort of dissipates, and you just go into this 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 state of beingness, the state of knowingness. And it's you know it's such a beautiful space to be in. And then you, your mind comes back online, you get triggered out, right? That that ego frontal lobe. So it's uh, there's a certain sense of allowing um, energy to flow, allowing your intuition to flow, you know. And that's again for me at least um, something that I had to train myself to trust because I, I grew up so in my mind you know, so intellectualized. And I've thought everything had to come from here. All the solutions had to come from my mind that trusting my heart space, trusting my intuition, trusting a flow state, uh, took time to train, you know, but once you sort of train it and you get, and it's not to say that, you know, the mind is in, and the ego for that matter are incredibly useful tools, but used in unison in harmony with your intuition, with your heart is where you get a coherence that is way more powerful than either one by themselves. Right. Would you resonate with that? 100%. And, you know, the mind is a portal into flow states. So right. that's, the, that's, that's where I started as well. And you can get into a flow state through the mind. However, it's not going to be because of the mind. So it's like, it's kind of this paradox where um, the mind can organize and create these routines and triggers, these, these flow triggers that are more likely to put you in that state. Right. But the ultimate act of it is a surrender and it's beyond the mind, right? Mm. A lot of the, my flow states personally are in the body. So mm. um, dancing, um, rhythmic drumming, um, bioenergetics, breath work. These are all really powerful ways for me to, to enter it because mm. it helps me as a very mentally dominant man to like yeah. come into the body and surrender. Yes. Um, but there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, in my course, I map like the top six, which are meditation, breath work. Um, and then there's like a suite I call self-programming, which is, you know, visualization, affirmation, and writing. Cool. And then, um, Tantra. So this can be sexuality, self-pleasure, um, entering trance through drumming, ritual, dancing, mm. and then reading and writing as a combination. And then obviously, um, fasting and movement of any mm. kind. So some kind of physical movement, like training, uh, martial arts, yoga, et cetera. So you can find, you know, your minimum effective dose right of what right. you need <laughs> unique to you to get into these states and yes. you know i would argue that most people are doing this all the time and don't even know it it's just making it conscious all right. the people you look up to in business and art and athletics and mm. romance they're all in flow states that's the, that's like a a hallmark of high performers totally i totally agree yeah like einstein for example said he had his most a brilliant ideas when he wasn't thinking about it. You know, you, you bang your head against the chalkboard all day and you can't figure it out. As soon as you go out and you play music or you're in nature, bam, there comes the solution, right? Because you're moving out of that ego mind. And again, coming back to that, I think the ego we've crawled, humanity's crawled into the shell of the ego and it's cut us off from a connection with source, connection with your heart, connection with intuition that, you know, is again, responsible for a lot of the problems we see in the world. Um, but, you know, again, trusting that heart space and that intuition and then moving into that space. One of the questions I love to ask um, people and especially creative people like yourself is, is when you're in that state, when you're in that flow state and say okay, the example of music, cause I'm a musician, a song comes to you, 
or, or an inspiration comes to you or Einstein's idea comes to you. Where does that, where is that coming from? Is that an internal thing or is it, are you tapping into source uh, energy or a collective consciousness? What, what is that? Yeah. I mean, I, I should start by saying, I don't know. No, I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> no, anyone exactly. who says they know, I don't believe them, but I have tons of hypotheses. Okay, great. I have tons of hypotheses and I'll go from most grounded to most out there. Okay. Excellent. Um, the most grounded is that, you know, the personal unconscious or the personal nervous system, which the nervous system is distributed. It's not just in your head. Right. There's actually tons of ganglions and neurons in your heart, your gut and distributed throughout your body. So totally. your whole body is, is thinking. Mm. And so sometimes those things are just coming from reorganizations, discoveries, neural pathways that you can't access consciously, but they're all happening unconsciously. Mm. Beautiful. And sometimes I love that. they, they, they're accessed. Yeah. Um, the next layer is that, um, and there's a lot of actual evidence for this. And even the CIA and the Pentagon are releasing evidence for this in <laughs> 2021 and 2020, which is crazy, which is awesome. um, paranormal phenomena, action okay. at a distance, telepathy, et cetera, um, remote viewing. You know, I think that as human beings, we are psychic, you know, but it's not in the way we think like Hollywood. It's just, you know, our genes and the genome of earth and all beings are literally connected. And then, you know, you don't, you don't have to go that far into some of the science that's come out around quantum mechanics. I mean, some of this stuff's old, like Bell's theorem, right. you know, action at a distance and in the quantum realm, things are connected. Like all protons in the universe are connected. Isn't that crazy? Through, man? Like, through a microfilament network of black holes. It's like mycelium yeah. in, in the base substrate of matter. Ugh. So it's, crazy. it's not hard to be like, yeah, of course I can, feel what you're feeling, think what you're thinking across the world. I can access what people were thinking because time doesn't exist in the quantum realm like it does here. Right. So I can, I can have an insight that Beethoven had or my future self, you know? So <laughs> this is where it starts to become really, you know, I love it. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. For our 3d mind, because what the brain is, I mean, this is a mind, this is a mind boggling stat. That's true. And I've heard mm -hmm. this first from a, well, Nassim Haramein at Red Lightning at Burning Man three years ago. And then I also heard it from, uh, what is his name? Dr. Bruce. He worked with NASA. He's really good friends with Tim Leary, Terrence McKenna, also at Burning Man. Basically, <laughs> um, you know, there's 100 billion neurons in the brain. There's 100 billion stars in a galaxy. There's more available connections. I forget the mathematical formula, but if you map the available connections, so in 100 billion neurons in your brain, how many different connection node networks they can create right. so it's like a factor you know i think it, it's not exponential it might be quadratic or whatever you can look all this stuff up i'm not making this up <laughs> the that number is greater than the total number of atoms in the universe the known <sighs> universe right right so right there that tells you and this is a dimensional level now now we're going to get a little more into the out there <laughs> the brain is a fourth dimensional organ it has the that? ability to, uh, it's a fourth dimensional organ. What does that mean? So we're in three, we're in 3d reality, right? Well, just logically, if the brain has more potential pathways than the number of atoms in the 3d universe, then it's obviously a different dimensional. Right. Organ. So it's kind of like a so, conduit, you know? Exactly. So, right. so the fourth dimension is the dimension of time and it's where the third dimension folds into the timelines. Mm. And, you know, this might be called the Akasha. If you go into the Vedic scriptures, right. the Akasha or Indra's jeweled web, which is, you know, the cosmic brain that right. we all are embedded in. And so the, the, the mind, when we have those insights, where are they coming from? Well, they can come from anywhere, mm. past, the present, the future, from any being, from any, you know, whatever it like. I don't think we're alone. I think it's it's pretty silly to think we're the only grain of sand on this mm. galactic ocean. So Agreed. there's a lot of information in the universe. There's a lot. And you so, can access it. Yeah. So that begs the question, how do we optimize or how do we most um, develop our brains or our physical bodies to be receptors to, you know, uh, higher dimensions or different frequencies? I think it comes back to the very basic stuff, mm. eating clean, mm. moving your body, connecting to earth, like literally connecting to earth, bare feet on the earth, swimming in fresh water, the ocean, um, 
you know, there's various ways you can enhance it with like detox protocols, superfoods, fasting, um, various yogic or meditation practices. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of pathways to do it, but it's, just, it's as essential as just intending to do it. If yeah. you want to connect to your soul or, or to the deep well of love that is reality at the substrate level, it's all love. Mm. Now, all you have to do is intend and create space to do that. And this is why, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, for example, is blowing up right now. He has yeah. a system or how he did it. Yeah. And it's as simple as creating that ritual, right. And stepping into a relationship with life is what it mm. is. Mm. I love that relationship with life. Beautiful. So that's kind of leads into my next question is that the, the world obviously is moving at an alarming rate. It's changing so fast right now. And we've seen in the last year, what uh, effects that can cause globally, because we are now a global uh, society, you know, it's no longer, you know, one nation, we're all global, whether we like it or not. And with exponential technology, and, you know, catastrophic weapons, nuclear weapons, we can't, we can't operate the way we've been operating before. So, you know, moving into this next phase of humanity, without killing ourselves in the process is really the biggest challenge or killing the planet or the myriad of ways this human experiment could end. So the question I've sort of been asking is what are the skills like we've been talking about the base level, um, you know, taking care of yourself, meditation, developing self awareness, eating healthy, um, but beyond that, what are the skills that we need to be developing now as individuals and communities in order to meet the challenges that we're facing um, and moving into the future? Yeah, I mean, we're in a birthing process and birthing right. is an awesome undertaking. That's very messy. <laughs> also as, messy as and painful, I yeah. yeah, which I don't know anything about that, obviously, but, you know, I, I'm... I'm smart enough to know I don't know anything. And so right. ask, a, ask your mom or ask a, a woman who's given birth what <laughs> yeah. birthing's like. And the planet's doing that. I believe, you know, the planet's alive. I think Gaia mm. is real and she, she knows what she's doing. Okay. Now, our job, you know, some people, I, 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 hear, I hear this argument every once in a while. It's like, you know, you can't just do your self-work and like drink green juice and do yoga. Like you need to go out there and change the world, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, yes, and... And this is where quantum logic comes in. Quantum logic is both and instead of either or. Right. And so that's part of the process. That's step one is move into a new paradigm of thinking. Yes. And Einstein totally. said, who's, who's president of this conversation, you know, you can't solve any problem at the level of consciousness it was created. Totally. And so that's, that's, the, that's the, the rallying cry. Another rallying cry is from Buckminster Fuller, which is the secret to change is not to tear down the old system. It's mm. to focus all of your energy on creating the new system, which will mm -hmm. outmode the old naturally. Totally. So systems thinking and resurrecting village, like you mentioned, these small bands, Dunbar's number, finding the others, connecting with them deeply, getting organized, and then becoming sovereign. And this is the big leap, you know? And I think mm. real sovereignty is, is, you know, it's a full rabbit hole. It's one I've been researching. And I know a lot of people have been researching during this sacred pause of Corona. Hmm. Um, you know, we're talking deep, deep stuff like citizenship, passports, international business, finance, mm. um, health and wellness, um, emotional and psychological sovereignty. I mean, this is a whole nother level of, of humanity's evolution. Some of the pathways to research, if you're listening to this, is permaculture design, cryptocurrency, um, research blockchain technology, research non-fungible tokens. Um, research flag theory and ways to avoid some of the traps of the old financial system and tax system. Mm -hmm. And obviously a lot of this is happening already and has been happening, but I think it's going to accelerate. So when you say like, what are the tools or what do we need to do? It's like, yes, the meditation and the clean eating and the healthy living and like excavating your own shit and yeah. unlimiting yourself. Like everyone has to do that. Yeah. Like that's, that's all you can do for the earth in some, in some sense, right? Yeah. Like Ram Das, like, you know, all I can do for you is work on myself. All you can do for me is work on yourself. And that's, totally. that's true at a core level. And, you know, don't take my word for it. Experiment, don't work on yourself and then go try to change someone else or start a, you know, a nonprofit. It's going <laughs> to tear itself apart. Yeah. Now at a certain point, as soon as you feel ready, I would say, find the others. Yeah. So form a community, create coherence, 
create a decentralized mycelial network of heart and mind coherence with mm. other human beings that are on the same mission as you. Mm. And life will self-organize that. Yeah, I, I like the the you know the mythology of the Avengers in the Marvel universe. You know, the Avengers are a bunch of big egos, superheroes of all different kinds. But when a common threat comes to Earth, when like this big shit going down, they team up, you know, mm. and there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of reconfigurations and relationships that fall and and, and are created. But that's the Aquarian energy, right? Of this Aquarian new epoch that we're entering. You know, there's a big clock that has been mapped by the ancestors. You know, all these mm. prophecies weren't just arbitrary. And we're in that time. Mm. So team up, get on land, create new systems. Don't waste your time trying to like convince generals and politicians and Wall Street brokers to suddenly go to yoga classes and change their ways. Put all your energy on creating the new earth. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And one of the questions that comes up for me is, uh, you know, you know, many years ago, I went down, you know, every conspiratorial rabbit hole just because I was seeking. I wanted to understand what was really going on in the world. I realized I was looking outward, you know, and and it, that's necessary. But and then I realized I had to go inward. And so I moved to Costa Rica and turned off the news and, you know, I didn't watch it for years and years and years doing the internal work. And that was the the case up until basically coronavirus came around. I was like, okay, I need to start paying attention to what's really going on here. And so over the last year, I've found myself giving more attention to, um, you know, trying to understand the problem space because we are dealing with malevolent energies, like very powerful psychopaths at the, at the helms of power structures. Right. And so yeah. for me as a parent and a steward of the earth, um, I feel a sense of responsibility to not only do the, the inner work. So it's the both and, but also to, um, you know, recognize what my purpose is and to express myself and organize in the world in a way that is, you know, the best for me and the whole simultaneously. And so exactly the things you're, you're talking about. But I guess my question is, um, it, how much, you know, th the way I justify it is, is, by, is by, you know, I need to understand the problem space fully in order to come up with solutions, um, you know, that will obsolete it. Right. So we're talking about creating systems that will obsolete the old. So, but how much of, you know, my giving my attention to the problem space, paying attention to the news, and I'm not just talking about the mainstream, like I look at multiple perspectives, but I want to understand what's going on in order to, you know, make powerful, informed decisions. But how much of, it, of my energy am I giving to it to help manifest that sort of malevolent timeline? But, you know, and the, the other side of that, I suppose, would be, you know, find my tribe, go live on a commune in the middle of the jungle of Costa Rica and not listen to anything like that doesn't seem right either, you know, because there has to be some interaction, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Does this make sense? hundred percent. I mean, this is what <laughs> I've spent the last 16 months deeply thinking about also. <laughs> some of, some of the language you're using is reminding me of uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger and the yes. Consilience Project. I'm and, a huge fan of Daniel know. Schmachtenberger. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And yeah. you know what they're doing with the Consilience Project, I don't know where they're at with this, but it's creating like a meta news sense making yes. network doing exactly what you're talking about. Because the tricky thing about the news right now and on all fronts, including social media is it's all weaponized. It's, it's, it's all weaponized. It's openly, yeah. it's openly AI echo chamber funneled information <laughs> warfare and it's totally. asymmetrical. Yeah. So it's very tricky to understand how to move through it. And my, mm. my stance has been consume only enough to understand themes and trends Mm. And then return as quickly as I can to direct experience. Right. How are my actual neighbors and, and fellow humans in my sector of reality operating, behaving, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And then also to trust people that I trust that are doing due diligence and deep sense-making that, right. that is good and is, and is balanced and listen to what they're saying as a, as a point of signal and tune out the rest of the noise. Yes. Now you're hundred percent right. Like we're not, and anyone who's listening, you know, this is a really important thing to understand. It's not pleasant to understand, but, you know, it's not that just humans with good hearts and good intentions have just fucked up and we're in perpetual war. And, you know, yeah. there's all this weird financial and economic warfare. It's like, man, did they just fuck up and they're good people? It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's by design. Yeah, totally. There, there are malevolent groups on this planet that 
well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't no. even give a fuck about humanity. No. And that, that's not even like a, a stretch because you can just see by their actions, their yeah. demon, like the demonstration of their action. So anyway, that knowing that and what we're up against, now can we wage a kinetic war against them and overthrow them? No. I mean, the, yeah. at this point, there's nuclear weapons, drone-guided missiles, there's electronic and all kinds of wacky warfare we probably won't even hear about until decades from now. So that's not the way. Mm. We can't just go into communes and tune everything out and eat mangoes. Right. They tried that in the sixties. That doesn't work. <laughs> so there, there's some kind of blended yeah. earth that we're living on already yeah. talking about timelines. There's already at least two earths present on this earth right now. There's one where sovereign groups of men and women who are interested in perfecting their bodies and minds as best possible, living in relationship with earth and the wisdom of her and each other and supporting each other to create prosperity and abundance and the new paradigm, which is, you know, stewards of a garden world instead of dominator extractors. Mm. And then there's the other guys that are, you know, there's many more, there's much gray area, but you know, there's people that are just like, let's go to Mars. Let's just, let's strip mine the earth. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just, it's insanity, right? It's insanity. Yeah. It, it has no place in life. And that's why I, I do believe, you know, it's going to be messy and there's going to be a lot of stress involved, but those energies are actually counter to natural law and the evolution of this planet and consciousness mm. itself. So they will be obsoleted automatically. And they already mm. are. We're already seeing mm. a lot of these power structures get collapsed in, in mm. certain areas. And uh, the good news is, you know, with the propaganda and the information war, what you got to realize is if if things were really as bad as they say it was, if they really had complete control and, you know, everything was going as planned and, yeah. you know, these fascist systems were working, the propaganda wouldn't be necessary. Exactly. <laughs> so you can yeah. be sure that it's not decided yet. Yeah. Because no, they're totally. investing billions into convincing people that yeah. it's like that. Yeah. So that's good news. It is good news. And I totally agree. And just coming back to, we were talking about finding your people and developing tribes. The way I like to look at it is that we need this bottom up cultural revolution, this cultural renaissance. And it's going to start with nodal points. It starts at the individual level first, do your own shit, do your personal work, take responsibility, and then show up in community, do men's groups, tribes of small people living together, living off the land, permaculture. And then those create nodal points uh, that then connect to a decentralized network of de of collective intelligence, right? So humans I trust, as as an example, a group we're both part of. That's a decentralized nodal point where you know there's authenticity, there's trust, there's um, you know it, we're all moving towards the same mission. And I think those little pockets are popping up all over the world. You're just not hearing about it on the mainstream news, right? And so, in my uh, the reason I get out of bed every morning and the hope that fills my heart is that we have reached a tipping point or we're very close to it of conscious, aware, embodied, healed people that are getting together in tribes, creating these nodal, um, nodal points, and that's how we change the world from the bottom up of a collective intelligence. And that's, that's exciting to me, and that's what, why I do what I do in the world. So uh, does that resonate for you? 100%, 100%. Yeah. The and revolution will not be televised. There you go. And it actually, it maps, it maps to blockchain quite nicely. You're talking about crypto earlier. Blockchain is at the root, the technology uh, of decentralized networks, right? Although I have, I don't know if you've gone down these rabbit holes, but um, there's a couple of people uh, that I follow online that are talking about the blockchain as because anything can be used for malevolence right and blockchain is a perfect example of that as a tool of enslavement as a tool of surveillance and and it, you're already seeing that in the social credit system in china um but i don't think you know it's a reason to abandon that technology and frankly i don't think we could if we wanted to anymore anyway but um just to be recognizing again of the problem space that could arise within blockchain as a malevolent tool and to make sure we are good stewards of it to for the best possible use for humanity is is the danger right would you agree with that yeah i mean this is something one of my gurus terence mckenna talked about a lot you know the situation we're in, the momentum that's built up in civilization and technology is such that there's no way to avoid the danger. Right. He called it a forward escape. So it's like the forward escape. It's like you got to charge. Right. Trust, get your crew, build your starship, and just go right at the thing and just move through, trusting that life's going to organize 
so you can slip through some of these danger points. Mm. I mean, the same thing could be said about the internet. The internet was developed by the Department of Defense right. to become a military communication network. Right. And then marketers and capitalists were like, wait a minute, we could, we could sell people shit on this. <laughs> and then look what it's become. It's become the nervous system of the planet. It's enabling yeah. this conversation and so much more. And, you know, the surveillance tech is already well advanced and yeah. it's not even hidden. You know, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty immense. Mm. Um, I once, I once saw this, uh, comedian at the, it was the Zeitgeist film festivals, you know, Peter Joseph's the yeah, Zeitgeist right. films in LA many years ago, which that was when I was like doing my conspiracy <laughs> rabbit holes, um, which those films actually do have great information and then all the oh, other totally, presentation yeah, might amazing. turn some people off, but yeah, he basically was talking about everybody's worried about big brother, big brother you know, all the surveillance tech, well, this smartphone, the iPhone, you got little brother in your pocket. <laughs> yes, you're being surveyed, but it's two way. Right. All those videos of, of the cop killings and like revolutions right. in Hong Kong, it's little brother. So you, right. you, this is the thing. This is Pandora's box. This is the Promethean flame that's been unleashed. <laughs> the, the forces that would seek to control us can't, and they know it. So they're mm. racing against the clock to create more systems of control. And yet every technological breakthrough, blockchain being a perfect example, it, you, can't put the, you can't put it back in the box. Mm. And so our job as conscious creators, and this is what I always tell people when they get worried about crypto or blockchain, it's like, yes, what China's doing is concerning. And knowing that we have time, there's plenty of time, lower mm. your level of anxiety, because then you'll become creative mm. and in that flow state. And we can start to map the territory together quickly. So we set up sovereign systems that are, mm. that are resistant to hijacking, that are resistant to predation. And the, the DeFi space right now, I think, is a great example of that. Yes. Um, what's happening with NFTs, which is in its infancy, is a great example of that. Yes. I mean... The dinosaur financial systems, I have a, a brother here in Bali who's, who's very deep in crypto, and he believes by 2035, all assets or 95% will be on blockchains. Mm. We're talking everything, real estate titles, deeds, yeah. corporate contracts, identity, totally. everything will be NFTs on blockchain ledgers of various kinds and DAOs, mm. decentralized autonomous organizations. So we're looking at, you know, this is the next kind of dot-com bubble of the tech sphere. Yeah. And the key is that, yeah, the, the people we don't want to have it have billions and they're, they're already in, they're already buying up land and digitally. Yeah. And that's okay. The good thing about blockchain is that organized groups of individuals with good intentions can have an, a network effect. Yes. Unlike Wall Street, I mean, even then, Wall Street got hacked. Wall Street attacked Wall Street, right? They short squeezed these <laughs> yeah. hedge funds. So, you know, we're in the Wild West right now. Total Wild West. And it's exciting. It is exciting. And frankly, this conversation has uh, given me more hope and optimism. So, brother, thank you so much for spending the time today. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, this is, this is great. There's some great thought tunnels we went down that I don't <laughs> normally go down. It's great. Awesome. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, okay, one last question before I let you go, and it's uh, it, it's a heavy one. Um, not heavy, but what I want to ask you, if you took all of your experiences, all of your knowledge, all the wisdom gained, and you had to distill it down to one message or one sentence, what would it be? Mm. Trust yourself and that all the resources, knowledge, information you could ever need is present in the present moment in space-time where you are and just act. Yes, brother. Love it. Dropping the wisdom. Kevin Oros, thank you so much for your time today, brother. Really Do grateful, Patrick. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's amazing. Man. Do you want to let people know where they can find you online? Yeah, so it's my name, Kevin Oros, O-R-O-S-Z. Um, dot com, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, you can check me out on Clubhouse and BitCloud also, moving into those new network domains. Nice. And yeah, really excited to connect with any and all of the topic matter in this um, podcast. I do have a, I'll be seeing you hopefully in Costa Rica. I have a retreat at Imaloa Institute um, outside Dominical, Costa Rica, July 1st through 6th. Nice. That's a six day mastermind leadership training all around a lot of what we've been talking about. 
um, crypto masterclasses, brand building, business development, public speaking, and then lots of meditation, breathwork, and bioenergetics. So really stoked about that right now. Epic, brother. Right on. Kevin, thank you so much again for your time. We'll see you real soon, man. Thanks, brother. All right. Peace. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your peace.